Just know you're not alone Cause I'm gonna make this place your News Radio 840 WHAS. Good Sunday morning. Bob Sokola, the Louisville Real Estate Show. With you till the top of the hour. Hope it's a good Sunday morning. We've got a lot of information to get to and your questions, so let's get right to it. Joining us on today's show, Randy Rocky, who is with Swan Financial. And you can reach Randy at 645-0736. Also here is Lee Harris, Legal Counsel, Limestone Title and Escrow. And you can reach Lee at 649-7964. And then my son, Greg, who is uh, my uh, right-hand and left-hand guy who does our photography, marketing, and so much more. Good to have you here. Right off the top, some interesting and disturbing news all uh, at the same time. Have you ever walked through a home, folks, and felt like someone's watching you? Well, the reason I bring this up, Anthony wrote us a question. He's in the process of buying a home. He's gone through a number of homes with his agent, but he feels like often he's being watched and he doesn't know what that feeling is coming from. Well, the answer, and Lee, this is why this is so important for you to come right at the top of the show, is he's, there's a chance he's being watched by the owner of the home. According to a Harris poll published in USA Today, 15% of Americans admitted to using surveillance cameras to monitor showings when they were selling their home. In Kentucky, if you uh, if one person to the conversation or one person to the recording is aware that it's being recorded, then it's okay. So if, if there's a, buy, a buyer's agent and a buyer in a house and they're being recorded, and the seller is the one who's listening to it, but they don't know they're being recorded. They're really not supposed to do that under Kentucky law because the seller is not a part of the recording. If the seller was standing there and knew that it was being recorded, it would be okay. Okay, so that's opening a big can of worms, and that's also for Southern Indiana as well. Um, I'm not. I don't know the Indiana law on that. But okay, because you're licensed in Kentucky. I got it. I know. I see where your I see where your head's going with that, Bob. But it, we because we do so many listings with with cameras and, and things of that nature. And I think, Lee, correct me if I'm wrong. I think to bring it full circle real quick is that you just can't use that type of stuff. Like it, it's one thing if it's. You know, I've got cloud services. I've, you've got friends that are coming over. Legally, do I need a sticker on my door that says, I have a ring doorbell, it's right here. Can you see it when you're walking in and you're being monitored or everyday life? But I think it's like in the in the legal sense, like you can't use that in a court of law without the other party knowing on the legal sense. But when you're looking at it as a listing, just be careful what you're saying, right? You know? The very first time I heard of this happening, it was years ago when people started getting a ring. And an agent called me and he said, oh boy. Uh, he said, we went around the house and then we went out on the front porch and didn't realize they had a ring and that they were listening and they were recording everything. Yeah. And they, they talked about, oh, we love this house so much and we're willing to pay this. And, da, 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 da. and you know, then they realized the seller heard it all. So of course they didn't have much bargaining uh, well, right then. You know? One caveat, smart speakers have apparently, they have the ability to record as well as the ability to listen in as a communication device. And that's essentially what they're designed to do. A seller could use Alexa, for example, on their phone uh, or app to drop in on a conversation. I'm not sure, and I'm fairly tech. Yeah, I have this now. It's, it's, it's called like Google, like uh, it's in my app. You've got the Google Home app. It's Alexa. I'm sure it's the same thing with Amazon. And you, you can use it as a, like, you remember the old school square walk? I mean, still lots of homes. I know in uh, Lake Forest, Bridgepoint still have them. Uh, those communications comm boxes where I had the radio and you push yeah. the button. It's called an intercom. Yeah, that's yeah, called intercom. Excuse me. Thank you. 
weren't skanking. But now, same deal. You can do it either with your phone. You can do it from, they've got the Nest hubs. They've got the smart speakers, all that kind of good stuff. It's all the same thing. Um, just you can do it wirelessly and kind of in a sneak right. over play. Well, we're going to move on, but it's certainly fascinating. Remember, you're being watched or recorded. Arnie is writing in that he's buying a condo, but apparently there's some sort of investigation going on in the condominium complex world and at this one that he's buying about the decks and railings there. Apparently, an underwriter will not allow the loan to close because the report on the safety of the decks and railings has not been filed yet. And Arnie wants to know if you've heard anything about it and what can he do about that? Anything on that? Yeah. So, yes. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's filled out in the condo questionnaire. And they, if yeah. there's an investigation into it, I would say due to the fact that it is on the questionnaire as an investigation, I have a feeling until the investigation is completed, I would say there's a 99% chance I'm correct on this statement until the investigation is completed, that they still couldn't close. So they got to wait for it to close. So, so they no would work have to, yeah. yes. yes. We we did a little more research on this, by the way, and we did find that there are a couple of lenders whose underwriters found a workaround that it's only an investigation to see if it's a serious problem, but not an actual problem. Right. So there are some that will close it, some that won't, but you're right on target for the most part. Most loan banks, mortgage companies won't do anything until it's uh, physically uh, reports been filed. So, all right, let us, uh, let's keep moving on because we got a lot going on. By the way, we're in our COVID show momentum here. And what that means is that as we are doing these shows on zoom, which is why the sound may sound a little weird and spotty at uh, different times, we do them on zoom, put them up to YouTube. You can see a rebroadcast of those uh, shows by going to louisvilleanswers.com. That's louisvilleanswers.com. Send us an email with your questions rather than calling in. Send me an email, bob at we sell louisville.com. And then in the subject line, put radio question in the body of the email. Give me your question and we will put it on the air like this one for Joseph. He sent us an email that his wife, Samantha, owned a home with her ex-husband, Lee, so okay. Joseph's, Joseph's married to Samantha. Samantha's okay. ex-husband is now in jail, but before <laughs> he went to jail, the ex-husband signed a quit-claim deed that put the home strictly into Samantha's name only. Okay. All right. Her ex apparently is still on the mortgage. So, Randy, you're in the middle of this one as well. Her ex is still on the mortgage. PVA shows that the ex-husband and Samantha are still owners of the property together, at least on PVA. We don't know about the deed. So can Samantha and her new husband, Joseph, sell the property? Again, mortgage, Samantha with her ex-husband is on it. On PVA, it's still showing that the ex-husband and Samantha own it. But supposedly the hus the ex-husband signed a quit claim deed before going to jail. Wow, huh? Yeah. Uh, well, I can. I'll, Mandy, I'll let you do the mortgage part, and I'll do the title part. I mean, if yeah. she has a quit claim deed, and she's the only one on that title, then she can close. You know, she can sell it. Her new husband's obviously. That is correct. Yes. Yeah. If she, if she, her yeah. new husband's obviously going to have to sign because now he has dower 
interest in the property, but the old husband, since they're divorced and he signed off, he should be out. What they usually do is they ask the person who signed the quick claim deed over, they have like the person who owns the property now, they have like six months to refinance it. In this situation, that didn't happen. So the only time that really the lender really cares about that is if they default on the loan. Then they come after both of them. They're going to have to break into prison to go after the guy who's right. They're going to have to incarceration. Certified letter to prison. They will, yeah. seriously. And uh, <laughs> um, uh, in case he doesn't have any assets. So they really don't care in that scenario. If they close the house, that that is uh, perfectly fine. And due to the fact that she's a quick claim deed, they will just give the check to her in her name only. Just FYI, so, and this is not so unusual, but the years ago I was in a closing and my client, um, who I, as far as I knew, and Greg, you may remember this, as far as I knew, my client, there wasn't a husband in the picture, but when they did the research, it turns out there was a husband and he couldn't attend the closing because he was incarcerated. One of the closing attorneys, we had to put the, it was a dry closing basically, which meant no funds were dispersed. The home didn't technically transfer into the other person. And there's no Skype at this point, right? So you have to have Skype. If you had, maybe if you knew and you had Skype, you could have him sign in and some attorney there at the maybe. jail signing in, at the In the jail, time. yeah. Good yeah. luck yeah. on that, yeah. having that in jail. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's what I mean. Knowing, knowing would have been half the battle. At least you could have done a send away, I think, if you knew. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, the attorney ended up going to the the prison and getting permission. To he go go, yeah, he he visited prison. He right. visited prison <laughs> to get the signatures. Stay. Yeah, oh, it was crazy. Yeah, if you are looking to think about selling your home, all you got to do if you want to reach out to me, we can help you day or night, no cost, no obligation to get me out there to talk about it. Bob at we dot com is the website to go to, or Bob sell my home.com or sell my home bob.com. They give you enough choices or call me 3765483. We're going to take a break. When we come back, more of your questions that are just piling up here. With us, Randy Rocky, Swan Financial, 6450736. They do a great job. They get you pre-approved, ready to close quickly, and do a great job at that. Also, Lee Harris, Legal Counsel, Limestone, Title, and Escrow. They do a phenomenal job at what they do. And you don't forget when you're over at Limestone to try some of their cookies, which are really good. You can reach Lee at 6497964. My son Greg is here with us. And we will come back in just a moment. By the way, Greg does all of our marketing, photography, and as we now say, and so much more. We're back in a moment on News Radio 840 WHAS. Need a home loan or refinancing? You need to talk to Randy Rocky at Swan Financial. Why have they become so popular? Because of our programs, our service, and our competitive rates. And now listen to this new program from Swan Financial. Yes, we have a 1% down program that also you will get 2% grant money from the investor. Call Randy Rocky today at 866-766-1920. Swan Financial, NMLS 2473 and 26362. Equal housing opportunity. Call for additional cost information. Other restrictions may apply. 
this is Lee Harris, owner and attorney at Limestone Title and Escrow here in Louisville, Kentucky. We are an experienced team of processors and attorneys who will be happy to help you with your closing needs. We are known for our flexible closing times. We're open to nights and weekends, whatever suits you or your clients. We can help you provide a smooth and quick closing and help with difficult situations based upon our history of expertise and experience in closings. Call us anytime at 502-632-2277. Shopping for a home? The place to start is Remax Properties East. Experienced, caring, top producing agents who service all of Louisville and surrounding areas. On your computer or on your smartphone, head to homesinlouisville.com and sign into one of the most advanced home search sites in the country. That's homesinlouisville.com. Residential or commercial real estate, let the award-winning agents at Remax Properties East help. Take the first step in your house hunting journey. Visit homesinlouisville.com or call 425-6000 today. Hi, I'm Barbara Corcoran. I built the number one brokerage firm in New York City by marketing luxury homes to the most qualified buyers. What makes the difference today in your area? The same thing, custom marketing to the right buyers. In Louisville, the agents with the best marketing plan are Bob and Greg Sokola. Their personalized marketing sells more homes for more money. If they can't find the right buyer on your deadline, they will buy it. Get the best marketing for your home. Go to WeSellLouisville.com and put more money in your pocket. News Radio 840 WHAS, Bob Sekolder, Louisville Real Estate Show here with you till the top of the hour. Thank you, Barbara Corcoran. If you want to have me come out, just call me 376-5483. Also with us, Randy Rocky, Swan Financial, 6450736. Also Lee Harris, Legal Counsel, Limestone Title and Escrow. And you can reach her at 649-7964. And my son, Greg who does our photography, marketing, and a lot more, who's also with us this morning. Before our next question, just an update for you on the real estate market. The interest rates have popped up. That has slowed a number of buyers down in terms of getting out there and finding their house. That's because they're worried about interest rates. The interesting thing about the number of homes on the market, we're still averaging about 1,300 or so homes, where in past years we've seen three or 4,000 homes on the market at this time, at least in Louisville and in some parts of Southern Indiana, it's slow as well. But we have had some success stories. For example, this past week, we closed a home on Preswick Drive, which is in Preswick Estates in LaGrange. And we had multiple offers. Our seller got well over what they were expecting originally and he is thrilled and we're thrilled for him we also have a number of homes still on the market just so you know there's still homes out there there's one that you gotta see if you're in the market for a large home this one is on pasifino court it's listed at nine hundred thousand dollars in canterbrook farm but it has four thousand three hundred and sixty five square feet above grade and then 2,000 plus square feet below grade. It's got a lot of room, 5.15 acres, just spectacular. Another one that we've got on the market that you may want to see if you're in the market for a larger home is one that's really close to town is Wood Lake Drive in Lake Forest. And that's got an amazing 4,690 square feet above grade and more than 1,300 square feet in the lower level. And that, again, is in Lake Forest and listed at $850,000. Don't hesitate to call me if you are looking for a home because these are two that uh, we think are spectacular. You can reach me at 376-5483, of course. We talked earlier about 
being photographed while video and listened to while you're going through a home touring it as a buyer. It's happening more and more. 15% of homes supposedly around the country, including Louisville, have these cameras going. And we wondered how legal is it? Lee's got an answer we didn't have before about Indiana. What did you find out? Indiana is also a one-party consent state, so the law is the same as it is in Kentucky. One person to the conversation has to be aware conversation is being recorded for it to be legal. So let's recap that, because the question everyone has is, if you've got a camera set up, like um, a, a, it doesn't matter, a video camera, audio, whatever, and you're listening into the conversation from across the street at your neighbors or down the, ro- the block, is that legal? from your standpoint, from a legal standpoint, Lee? If, if one person is like outside listening to a conversation inside, let's say yeah. they have one of those machines that can go, you know, those microphones, and you don't know that your neighbor is outside listening to your conversation, that neighbor is violating the law. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. We, move, we move forward, not to belabor that. Uh, this one's for yeah. Randy. Thomas is writing in. He saw a report where mortgage fraud is on the rise. Mortgage fraud, Randy. Mm-hmm. In fact, he says he's read that it increased 15% between the first quarter of 2020 and the second first quarter of 2021. So he is wondering what some of the things he can do as he gets ready to get his house to buy and to sell and for other people to prevent them and him from becoming victims. What would you say? And I know, Lee, you have some insight on this as well in terms of wiring information. But, Randy, from a lender, is there anything you can tell us? Well, uh, yeah, and it's going to go along with uh, what Lee's talking about, a lot of it. Uh, The fraud, you know, obviously a lender can make up fake W-2s, do things of that nature. Usually they do, obviously, they almost all the time do a verification of employment unless – and, and they make sure they work there and they check their salary. So there's a lot of things that are preventing any, uh, that happening where there's a fraud committed on the lender side anymore. But where it's really coming into play in so many things is wire fraud and uh, uh, spoofing email accounts. And uh, Lee, I'll let you take that from here. Yeah, go for it, Lee. Yeah, it's, um, if you think about it, like – think about a logo from a bank or something and how easy that would be to, for someone who knows computers or something to duplicate. So what they do is sometimes they will duplicate like a bank's logo. And then if it's supposed to be Chase Bank, let's say they'll put chsae.com instead of chase.com. But your eye is thinking it's going to be Chase because you see the logo and everything. And so basically your contact, your in contact over email with someone who's not your lender or who's not your title company or who's not your real estate agent and they are getting your information. And then what happens in some cases is they get the wiring instructions and the wire goes to this person who's in Hong Kong or, or Canada or somewhere. And, you know, we can turn it into the FBI or the, or the, the buyer or seller can turn it into the FBI, but the chances of getting it back are slim. So you want to make sure that you're only, do, I know it's, it sounds antiquated, but you only want to do your wiring instructions and things like that, verify over the phone. Talk to somebody you know, say, I am definitely talking to Lee, or I'm definitely talking to Bob, and use that phone number that you've been given and verify all of that. Don't do it by email, even if you have secure email. Yeah, it's so serious yeah. in, in our situation, Bob, and we do this with all your clients. While, uh, from the time they sign the contract to the time 
to after closing, every week we send them a text about wire fraud, a text, yeah. and and through the whole process. And uh, uh, it's really it, it keeps them out of a bad situation because it's a it's a very serious problem. Yep, Greg, you are like I do. You're seeing a lot of these emails come in trying to spoof or spam or get you to connect. Am I right? Are you yeah, it's, it's it's real. It's it's just those opportunities. Things remember, remember the old Craigslist days where the, the rental scam with yep. some king over in another continent who has <laughs> been on hard time. You know, there's it, it, it's 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 always the next thing. So you just got to be sure. And, and like Lee said, there's absolutely no reason if you get something like that and you have a question, like in the middle of your home selling or buying process, you pick up the phone, you call your agent, you call your lender, and you say, okay, I just got something on email is this never click a link, never open. We, Bob and I know we've been running a team with, you know, anywhere from uh, 10 to 25 people on there with different email accounts and all the spam that they get and the spoofing that happens. It's been happening since the dawn of the internet and it's going to continue to happen. Yep. Beware and, and look out. It's a billion dollar problem with a B. I mean, it's, it's a real problem, yeah. wire fraud. There, mm-hmm. I got to tell you, as smart as I think I may be, I may not be all that what I think I am. And I'll tell you why. A couple of weeks ago, I get an email from my bank. I won't give you the bank name. And in it, it the logo, everything that you were just saying, but it also says there's a, a delayed payment. I haven't paid on this one credit card. Click here to update the payment. Now, I got to tell you, they also included a phone number. Now, I'm wondering to myself, well, because it's got to be legit. They got the phone number for the bank. They got everything in there. And I clicked on the payment info. And then I realized I don't have a credit card that ends in those last four digits. So I thought they got me. So I immediately went to, I didn't do anything else. I immediately went on to my uh, account on my bank and changed my password. So far, there have been no problems. But as tech savvy as I think I am, Note, you can, in a time of, you're not even thinking about it, you click on it and well, you that's, go. That's what I'm saying, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. opportunity, right? Because they know you're busy and they know if they can make it look close. And it might not even be a letter change. It might be an underscore, an asterisk or something like that. Yeah. And it's, it reminds me of the old uh, the Leo, the Leonardo DiCaprio Catch Me If You Can commercial where the old bank fraud was literally they would change the numbers on the routing to be able to cash the check so the check would go somewhere else before it bounced back. And it's it's just the new technology version of that. They'll write a movie on it someday. Yeah. If you're looking to sell your home, we've got a 150 plus page pamphlet that we can email you and you can read it from the from your computer, it's, there's nothing nefarious about this. It's legitimate stuff. Uh, you can send me an email, bob at com, and just say, selling my home in the subject line, and I'll send you this link to the marketing book that gives you all these different uh, things, ways to get ready for selling your home fast and for more money. So, Lee, this question comes in from Camille. She sent us in saying she wants to put a pool in her backyard. She wants to know how much of a demand is there for buyers, and Greg and I can talk about that, looking for a home with a pool if she decides, decides to sell the house down the road. But she's also asking from a legal aspect, she wants to know what happens if someone comes in and injures themselves or worse in the pool. So let's take the serious side first. What are the legalities surrounding? I know there's a fence that yep. you have to have, right? What else right. should perspective pool owners and current pool owners need to know? What do they know? Yes, you definitely have to have a fence around your pool. 
And um, of course, you will need uh, your your insurance company will require you to have insurance covering that. You have to let them know we've got a pool now. It's a it's a much bigger liability than just a backyard, right? Huh, because right. It, I know when I was a kid, one time we snuck out and got in our neighbor's pool, you know, at night. Oh, so uh-huh. there could be so there could be kids in the neighborhood who get in your pool and you don't know it. So uh, yeah, you just have to. I would have a gate. I would have the gate locked. Uh, have a key to it um, and make sure that if anybody is in your pool, that they are supervised with you when you are home. Um, put a post a sign that says, you know, no trespassing or something like that. That doesn't necessarily 100% uh, get rid of your liability, but it, it, but it tells people don't come in here. And that's, you know, at least a step in the right direction. If anybody were to trespass then, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's definitely a liability. I mean, obviously people enjoy pools and they like them, but, but it's going to be a little bit more on your insurance and a little bit more on your, uh, on your mind as far as keeping your yard secure. So that takes us to the other part of the question, which is how ad- much of an advantage is it having a pool in your backyard when you come to sell, Greg? And is it still, right? Is it still a demand it like, still, it was like it was COVID, right? Right, exactly. Greg, what would you say? I mean, you know, we're going to find out this summer. I, you know, I, I know a lot of people were still backlogged and I know a lot of companies were still trying to get around to this year to get people put in. I don't think that's going to stop anybody from, you know, the whole work from home and being home more is good, but you know, I fully plan on utilizing our neighborhood's pools this, this season. I, I don't think there's going to be any limit on what, like what they used to have where it literally used to be, you could only, they're limited their capacity by like a 10th, you know, down to a 10th of what it was. And it just wasn't convenient. Now, you rip that off. We'll see, you know, I'm still going over to uh, my sister's house to, to go to the pool this summer. We're still take, utilizing that. So it's still a great feature to have, um, you know, maybe just not as high of demand. And what we found in the past before COVID that at least I would tell you 10% of people looking for homes are looking for homes with a pool, but with COVID that increased dramatically, maybe 20 or more percent of people were looking for homes with a pool or in a worst case scenario, a home that could have a pool put in the backyard. Well, and, and most importantly, we, we yeah. talk about like, would it decrease, right? Would it decrease the, the, the odds on, but we, we see there's so Chilly many buyers still in the market. There's no way that they're going to be deterred when we still, I just saw somebody hold an open house on a Thursday afternoon. Yeah. In a $500,000 price point with 20 people that showed up on a th- random Thursday afternoon for an open house because they saw the advertising. Was there a pool in the house? Was there a pool in the house? I think I want to say in that neighborhood, there very well, might have well been a pool there. Well, you may remember last year we were talking that the pool companies were backed up for several years putting pools in. Just remind yourself that if you put the pool in, that you will not get back what you put in to put the pool together. So if you spent... Uh, $75,000, you're not getting $75,000. Typically, I think appraisers may give you 50% uh, when you go to sell. But again, that's uh, up to the the actual appraiser. So, all right. We have a pool. I'm looking right now. It did have a pool. It did have a pool. Okay, good. It did have a pool. Finally, before we go, pets are playing an increasing important role in shopping for a home. In fact, more Americans have become pet owners during the pandemic. They're looking for (laughs) homes with pets. They want to make sure that when they buy or rent, they can have their pets. 43% of pet owners say they'd be willing to move to accommodate their pet. That's pretty good. That's according to a study from the National Association of Realtors. What's more, 68% of pet owners surveyed 
by Realtor.com say they would pass on an otherwise perfect home if it didn't meet their pet's needs. That's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. So some of the things that pet owners are looking for. So, Greg, I'm you and I are both pet owners. Lee, I don't know. Do you have a pet? I do. Lee, I do. Lee, you, have, you have a pet? Yes. Randy, how about yourself? Do you have, I think you have yes, a dog. Yes, we do. You do. So dog. agree with this. I think that these are some of the things that pet owners are looking for. And what, the first one, very obviously, you're going to say, yeah, that's of course, is a fenced-in backyard without question, right? Then durable flooring. So the types of flooring where it, uh, like carpet, not so good with a, a cat or a dog uh, when they have an accident. Then a, a subdivision that has trails and sidewalks to walk your pet. Also adequate square footage for you to be able to have the pet indoors and also an outdoor play area. So those are the top things, according to a new survey, that pet owners say that they're looking for. And so, and if you're one of those who has those, make sure your agent, when you're selling your house, put some of those key items in the listing so that will help attract the pet owners to let them know that you, in fact, have what they're looking for. We are out of time. My thanks to Randy Rocky Swan Financial, 645-0736. Thank you, Mr. Rocky. Also, Lee Harris, Legal Counsel, Limestone Title and Escrow. Thank you for being here at 649. You. you got it, 649-7964. My son, Greg, who does our photography and marketing and so much more. And uh, you can reach me anytime on my cell phone. I am here for you day and night weekends as well. As soon as I'm off the show, you can call 376 376- Five four eight three. That's three seven six five four eight three. We're out of time. See you next Sunday on News Radio eight forty WHAS.